Hello, it is the Productize Podcast. I've got a good one for you today. I'm talking to Mike Rubini. This is an interesting conversation and it came about in probably one of my favorite ways that these uh, podcast interviews come about. Mike replied to one of my uh, email newsletters where I ask subscribers, you know, what are you currently working on? And so he, he hit reply on that email and came right to my inbox and he gave me a couple of lines about what he's working on. And I was like, wow, that looks really interesting. And that's because I checked out his website, which is rubini.solutions. And it looks like he's working on eight or 10 different SaaS products. And there's also a couple of service businesses in there. And I'm like, how does one guy do all of this? And that's basically the question that I wanted to ask him today. And so, you know, we really uh, got into a lot of uh, interesting things. His story of, of how he went from being a jazz musician to launching a service for jazz musicians and then, and then really going deep on what he calls microdata. And he shared a really interesting process for how he finds a market opportunity, finds a, a need from potential customers, builds a new SaaS product, software product in a day or two, and then actually launches it to paying customers within a couple of days. It, it's a really interesting process, something that he continues to repeat. And then we also talked about how he uh, runs his operation very, very efficiently using SOPs, obviously something that I'm a big fan of, and keeping his team actually very, very lean. Uh, so we talked about some interesting ways that he goes about doing that. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, here is my interview with Mike Rubini. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with Mike Rubini. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Hey, my pleasure, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited to talk with you. I'm a listener of your podcast, this podcast, and the other one with Jordan from a long time. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Thanks for doing it. And I mean, the way that I found out about you is you, you replied to one of my email newsletters and, and uh, gave me some info about what you're working on. It looked really interesting to me. And, and I thought, well, I want to kind of hear more about your story and, and pick your brain a little bit. So this is yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so you are, uh, you're, you're talking to me, you're from Italy? Yeah, I'm from Italy and I'm uh, soon relocating to Lisbon, uh, Portugal. But yeah, I'm based nice. in Lisbon. Very cool. Which city are you in? Oh, I'm from Southern Italy. So if you know, Italy is like a boot, right? I'm from the hill yep. of the boot. The region is called Puglia. It's beautiful. And uh, especially this time of the year. But I'm from the... Like a small hamlet here in the southern in southern Italy, around Bari is the main city around here, and the hamlet is called Sovereto. It's uh, about hundred people, more or less. Sounds sounds beautiful. I mean, I like I was saying earlier, been you know my half my family you know comes from Italy, and and it's just been one of those things that like my wife and I just want to get there someday. It's on the list. Once we're a lot out of our houses over here. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's crazy. I mean, all, all of my friends that uh, come visit, they, you know, they are very surprised because they, they said to me, you know, Italy is crazy. Every, like every city has a story and uh, the food is great. So I, I can't complain. But just ask mm -hmm. and that, that's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> so, yeah, everything else is, uh, is, is great. Yeah, cool. So, you know, the thing that immediately stuck out to me about your story and looking at your website and everything is that you know, you're doing many things. Uh, you're, you're working on, it, it looks like mostly SaaS software yeah. businesses, but I see a long list of them here <laughs> listed on your, on your website. 
So how do you sort of like explain to people what, what you do today? Yeah, uh, I run multiple profitable SaaS, which uh, I bootstrap alone and with no team. That's how I explain it. No team, even on all the different things? No team. I just have two, two VAs right now. Okay. And so just looking at your website here, I'm seeing around, what, 10 different businesses? Maybe you have even more than that? Yeah. Or maybe some of them you've exited? Yeah. So uh, all, of, all of the SaaS that I build uh, are around this concept of collecting and organizing data. So the problem in general uh, is that like as operators, we have too much data and it's uh, all over the place, basically. So there's an opportunity there. And uh, that's what I do. Like all of my SaaS are around this concept. And right. then I have some principles that I, uh, I try to follow, which are uh, the first one is velocity. So I try to go to market as fast as I can. And uh, I'm known to build fast, like I, I can build pretty fast. And um, the other principle... And you're a software developer, I, I assume? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I can code. I'm not like graduating in, in, uh, in, in CS or, or anything like that. I'm actually, my background is as, uh, is, uh, as a musician. I'm a jazz musician. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, I, I know you are a musician, right? I am. Yeah. I, yeah. A little bit of, of jazz, but mostly, you know, rock stuff. And, and, yeah. Um, I used to be more serious about it. Now, now it's much more of a, just a hobby. I understand. I understand. I mean, for me, like, I say that music is my, like, my first job, but, um, you know, revenue-wise is the other way around, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but I, I, when I started out, I actually started in, um, in New York because I was studying abroad, uh, actually jazz at the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in, in New York uh, on, a, on a scholarship. I was a scholarship holder. And um, yeah, I realized, you know, uh, there were many amazing musicians just playing for like literally a pizza. And, uh, and so I, you know, I said I have to do something because <laughs> I don't, like, I, I love to, to, to play and, uh, and play jazz, um, but I also want to have a good life. And um, the, the opportunity there, uh, it seems like you either go teach or you do weddings or you do things like to get, like to, to pay your dues, they say, right? And I wanted to do that, but also I wanted to protect my art. So I said, you know, let me do something else and, um, you know, protect my art and do whatever I want to do with it um, uh, that I really want to do. And um, so with that, like I started out uh, by basically uh, with, with an agency, uh, basically was delivering also uh, the projects and the projects were around, you know, social media management, basically, and um the niche that I was into was jazz musicians because I didn't know better, right? Yeah, so like so like social media, marketing, web design yeah, exactly. for jazz jazz musicians. And so for listeners listening, I mean, your your main website is rubini.solutions and, uh, and there's stuff about you and, and kind of listing out all of your different products. And then this one that we're talking about here, I guess, is jazz.services. Exactly, exactly. And great, uh, uh, great, great domain name for that. Yeah, thank you. It wasn't called. What that. year? What year was this? Like, when were you in New York, and and when did? 2011. Okay, and then this jazz service is like, uh, when did this start? Uh, it started basically right away in 2011, in the semester that I was uh, abroad. I just uh, did a semester there because uh, 
they didn't recognize my diploma. I, I'm, I'm already I was already graduated in uh, in Italy. But anyways, to cut the story short, I you know I I I see this situation and I see uh, this opportunity and uh, yeah we we started helping uh, jazz musicians and jazz brands and uh, that went uh, very well. Uh, I you know initially I was doing everything myself. And then uh, I, you know, encountered <laughs> outsourcing uh, on, on on my way. So I started outsourcing part of the work, and um, yeah, that um, really well. I was doing at some point, you know, four or five k a month uh, doing uh, my basically web design work and social media management thing. Very cool. And so, like today, nine years later, is this jazz services still running with clients and everything? Yeah, it's it's still running. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a little bit of clients that are still with us, uh, as as well with that the other like a brand agency that I uh, I built, which was called it is still called Geeks.co, <laughs> and uh, that one is about startups. And we have a you know a little bit of clients. We have some uh, inbound requests coming coming in, uh, but little, very little revenue. So I really don't count on on, on that revenue. It's just maintaining uh, as of as of now. Okay, so actually, yeah, like that's what I'd like to try to get an understanding of. You know, with people like you who have many different things going on. It from what I can see here, it looks like those are the two service businesses and then the rest of them are are SaaS products yeah but for these two services like it is it essentially like the same service business but you just sort of have like two different front-end websites like one aimed at jazz or jazz musicians and the other aimed at startups but you kind of have like the same people doing the services not really so okay. uh, for for jazz services we partnered with a lot of people in the industry uh so what i did that I thought was smart at the time, uh, you know, was partnering with people who do, for example, uh, radio plays, who do management. So, um, you know, it's basically uh, I was upselling their their uh, packages as well, and they were, you know, referring me for web design and stuff like that. So that uh, actually turned out uh, turned out good. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, obviously, it's a completely different thing, music and startups, right? So. So, so with music, like you, you found some services where they they help promote them on like radio and stuff like that, and then you kind of resell them. Exactly. Very cool. It's about funding vendors and uh, you know a network of people that you trust, and uh, that can uh, totally like they can work to give a uh, you know a good picture to the artist or where on about when uh, and and where it uh, it can go, you know. Because we have some artists yeah. that uh, that were doing great, and uh, I did a lot of things. I I did some e-commerce stuff as well. So uh, I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't uh, as organized as uh, it was in the late years that I was doing uh, doing that actively. But yeah, at some point, I just said, you know, I can code, <laughs> so let's uh, also take advantage of that. And I never looked back, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, so I'm definitely gonna you know dive into the coding and SaaS stuff in just a minute here. I, I guess I'm just still a little bit wondering about you know because I know that there are a lot of listeners of this podcast who are in services, whether they're freelancers, they're running agencies, productized services, and 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 maybe maybe they want to scale those up, but maybe they want to do what you've done mm-hmm. and, and what I've done also, which is like take the service business, but then mm-hmm. 
pivot your your time and your focus into other types of products. Are you still, or, or over these years, ha- how involved are you in the service side of it? I mean, I know that you're outsourcing a lot of the delivery, the work, reselling other people's services, but even things like like inbound leads and sales and follow-ups. Mm-hmm. And then what if a, what about like when a client has a question or, or isn't mm-hmm. happy with the service or something like that? Does that stuff reach your inbox? Yeah. So for support, they, they reach out to me because they know me personally for, you know, from, from the initial phase, basically, because a lot of clients remain the same. You know, they refer me to, to other clients, to other clients they have, um, because I also work with agencies. So, you know, these people have clients uh, and they refer to me. And so I work with them and they become the contact point for the clients. So sometimes, uh, a lot of the times it's like that. So the support staff still reaches reach to me. Uh, but again, right, right now it's just maintaining. So it's not a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of requests. Got it. You're, you're not doing a lot of like new sales. It's just going to no, be too no. long. I mean, anyway. sometimes they, they get inbound. But to be honest, I when I receive something inbound, if it's not 100% what I want to do, I just decline it, to be honest, yeah. right now, because I'm, I'm focused on, on, on SaaS right now. But through the years, I've sourced, I've sourced a lot of things, and um, I know you have a, a software on, on SOPs, so I'm big on that, because uh, that literally changed, changed the way that I work. Um, and and um, for SOPs, I, I think there's, there are two approaches there. You can hire people that hopefully know more than you or they know their job really well um, and, and for, for cheap because you can obviously uh, hire them in countries where the dollar or the euro is stronger. And the other approach is you know, hire people that literally have a connection and they know some English you know, and then write very good SOPs and like, just like treat them and it's, it's going to sound bad, but treat them like a robot <laughs> and, uh, and just give them directions that they can follow. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm big on, on SOPs because I, these days, basically, I, I outsource last because, um, I mean, I love the convenience of outsourcing, but these days, because I can't code, right? So I can automate a lot of stuff. And usually my process is, I try to optimize and then I try to um, automate, meaning have a machine do the thing. And then if I really need that human, then I outsource. So that's the process there. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Absolutely. I mean, I do think of outsourcing, as you said, like with SOPs and delegating to people carrying out the tasks, I, I really do view that as a form of automation. And, uh, you know, there there are always steps, especially in a service business, but this happens even in, in other types of businesses. Like there, there's always going to be things that that do need a human touch or a human communication to someone else, but all of that can and should still follow a process. You know, um, they shouldn't be, <laughs> to, to take the jazz metaphor, like they shouldn't be like improvising every single time they're talking to a client or every single yeah. time they're designing a web page maybe it requires some creative skill or some analysis or things like that, but that should still follow a process. And, mm-hmm. and I see that as like a form of automation, you know? Yeah. And I agree with you. And, uh, one thing that, um, made me think uh, a lot uh, lately is that you reach through outsourcing really 
when a random person on the street can do that task, right? Which is uh, which is useful if you if you adopt the second approach that I mentioned earlier, the one about the, ro- the robot. And with that, I, I actually experimented a little bit. So, for example, for for my SaaS, we have support, and right now it, it is not run uh, like this. But uh, previously, I had basically uh, four Filipino families doing twenty four hour shifts. <laughs> Uh, to cover all the all the support for my SaaS, and um, one way that I um, basically did this uh, random person uh, on the street approach was uh, using um, something called Get Magic. Uh, so this this is a service that I tried, and and they basically um, assign you fifteen people from from Philippines, and they bill you by the minute. And so what I did, I I used Talk2, which is a um, an intercom type of uh, uh, type of uh, chat on like, like a live chat on on the website. And uh, what I did, I basically, yeah, I, I had people on the chat, and then that would trigger uh, a Slack uh, alert on our Slack channel, and uh, then Get Magic would take over. So I, I was only paying them for like active min, minutes that they were working on the chat. And this is for the like customer support on your SaaS products. Exactly, exactly. So this is just an example of how you can do it. Yeah, and I was just. That does sound very this. efficient. It, it's it's not like you're just hiring, even though like like hiring someone in say like the Philippines or or somewhere like like it's it's obviously much lower rate. But what a lot of companies do is they just hire them like full time hours or. Or even like part time, but like set hours. This is like they're literally just working the minutes where they're taking support requests. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I mean, they have a uh, like a flat fee. I think it's like forty dollars per month, so really low. But um, yeah, basically, uh, I think it was yeah via their talk to API that I did it, and uh, that would trigger a message in Slack, and then they would go and take care of the conversation with. Uh, with the with the customers and obviously following SOPs, so that was um, a cool process. So let's jump back to today and and talk about the SaaS businesses, and then I'm going to go back in the story again and and how you started like building these out. But like, you know, I'm as you said, uh, a lot of them share the the theme of it's for managing large amounts of data. So I'm seeing like usecart.com, microacquisitions.com, Grouply, Trendly, Target Bear, yeah. uh, Fastlean, a couple of other ones. So like among all these different SaaS businesses, are, are there like one or two that are that are like your primary focus or primary source of revenue? Or, or? absolutely. So if you if you go like one of my uh, of my pillars, one of my uh, yeah concept that I really uh, you know work with. Uh, is transparency. So I'm, I'm big on transparency as well. So if you go actually on any of my sites, including the main one, if you go slash open, you will see all the metrics uh, and like for revenue wise and also app wise uh, for my SaaS. So that's available to everyone uh, because I work in the open, just like you, I think. And uh, yeah, so I think now. Oh, look at that. All right. I'm, I'm just like loading it up right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, there's now Trendly that does about a thousand dollars a month. Uh, Usecart I think does a thousand dollar a month more or less. Then 
there are uh, there are other software there are that are free and they act as lead generation for my other SaaS. Uh, so this day uh, these days I actually build you know either I build via uh, negativa so by subtracting features and we can talk about that if you want uh, or I build via uh, you know by piggybacking on existing communities uh, especially around courses. Okay, so I mean, I'm going to have questions for you about marketing and everything, but just you know, for for the listeners, you know, who aren't necessarily looking at this page right now, I'll just I'll just give them some some of the info. Absolutely, go ahead. Uh, and this is in euro, is that right? Yeah, euro. Yes. So I'm seeing a list of seven different SaaS products that you have laid out in a table, and you've got all all different metrics here, like MRR, churn rate, growth rate, number of users. This is this is really fantastic, man. But the uh, so like total MRR, I'm seeing 2,800 euro. Let's see. Monthly profit, 1,200 euro. This is really impressive. Thank you. And, th- and then you've got a, a table for goals, which is also pretty cool. So especially if anybody's kind of like following along with your, with your progress, this is, this is nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank I you. Mean, I mean, I could see how this must be very, you know, must be very useful for, for you too. Yeah, I, I use this all the time. And then you can go to the like to the product URL and also do slash open. And uh, I'm I'm so big on transparency that I also have an API you can ping <laughs> if you want if you are that crazy and and get the numbers. But uh, yeah, so right now the the total MRR is more like uh, around 4K, uh, and that's uh, 4K euro, and that's. Um, all the MRR collectively of the software, plus a little bit of consulting. But then on some software, uh, namely the one that I do with existing um, communities, I have partners, so uh, I take you know a cut of the MRR. So my total MRR right now is around three three thousand two hundred ninety five euros. That's just for me. And then my profit, which is you know net of costs and taxes. Around twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred euros per month. Got it. And you know, this is also a good illustration for for people who have never really worked on a SaaS before. You know, so many people, especially coming from services, you know, they think about how expensive it is to run services and paying people and all that. And and oh, the dream is to build a software product and it has no costs and you just get subscription revenue and then it's fantastic. But of course, that's not the case. I mean, SaaS does have, have costs. And then, I mean, this approach as, you know, of running multiple software really has a, a lot of uh, benefits. So namely one is sharing expenses <laughs> because you can share, uh, you know, the same tools through, you know, for, for any of the software. And then also it gives you, you know, multiple lottery tickets. And uh, that's also something to think about, I think. And uh, yeah, and, and, and then you can decide, like, for example, I had one of my soft software, which which is called Scrapebook. You know, in the last uh, years, uh, it it was doing three, four, five k a month, but then I decided to discontinue it. So now it's at uh, about four hundred and fifty euros per month uh, because I'm, I'm not actively like marketing it, and I wanted to discontinue because it wasn't so ethical in my in my world anymore so i'm 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 just discontinuing it 
but uh, you know then i have other software where like i'm i'm, I'm lighting up the fire right yeah it looks like you, you kind of like shift back and forth in your focus and that and then that sort of gets reflected in, in the revenue yeah exactly you, you can you can choose your own path here yeah that's really interesting i mean i definitely relate to that because right now i'm primarily focused on process kit and part of the reason for that is is that process kit has traction. It's it's the thing that I'm most interested in. And so I currently here in 2020, I've begun to really focus on that. Obviously, audience ops is still running and very significant mm-hmm. yeah. as well. But but a, if I go back a year or two, three years ago, people who've been following my work know that I've been doing other things too. Like there was Sunrise KPI and there was Ops Calendar and there was all these different and the productized course and, and everything. And, and that you you said like having multiple bets. I think that was one of the things that you know because with SaaS, it's it does take so much more work and time in order to initially build and grow early traction, much much slower than a service business. And so it could take six months or a year before you even know if this is going to work or not. And there's there's a lot of um, uncertainty. And so that yeah. that's what always led me to having my hands in, in a few different products so at least i'm not i don't don't agree with you because like my software don't like if my software are not profitable in the first week i just cut them like i just cut cut the software that uh, are not profitable first week yeah first week yeah all, all my software generally are, are profitable on day one so tell me more about that so do you mean like you you put up a page to kind of like pre-sell the concept before you start building it Oh, this day I just uh, I just do it. Uh, I, usually my time to market is two days, so I take like a Saturday and Sunday, and I do the the software. I, I build the software, and then I go to the market. And then usually, you know, I'm pretty good now to spot opportunities, uh, and also I know my audience, <laughs> and usually it's profitable in the first day, which means I at least cover costs, which for me are as I mentioned earlier are very low. Because believe it or not, uh, I I actually my costs right now are about seven eight hundred euro per month uh, of costs. So In not terms of like your your living costs, you mean? Yeah, yeah, costs. No, costs for the 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 the, the startups. So for the tech and the, the tools. That oh, you okay. Yeah, to to run to run the yeah the run business. Got it. And um, like OPEC. And uh, I, I like my target is to have costs that are less of five hundred euro per month. So, because a lot of people are, are saying, you know, uh, you need to to have a lot of revenue, lot of, but it's all about profit. So I, I've I've seen guys that do a lot more revenue than me. And to give you context, uh, last year my total revenue, and this is also by the way transparent here. If you go slash now, you will see the numbers. But um, my revenue for uh, 2019 was about 51,000 euros, so not a lot. But, of course, I, I took home a lot of that because my expenses were low, because my taxes were low. So, I mean, it, it's profit. It's not, um, it's not yeah. revenue. And then also the way you want to live. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it is, especially when you're bootstrapping, it's all about focusing on on profit. Just a minute to tell you about Productize. If you're sick of the client services treadmill, well, there's a better way, a Productized service. 
That's why I built Productize. It's a private community and training program for people like you and me. We're operating a client services business and we're scaling it up using the Productize service model. Join our private Slack, our private forum, and get matched into your own small mastermind group with other members. Give and get honest, constructive feedback to grow your productized service business this year. Plus, get access to my productized course, which gives you everything that you need to start, grow, and systematically build your productized service business. The best part about becoming a member? No ongoing subscription. Purchase once and you get lifetime access to everything. Go to productizedcommunity.com for all the details. And right now you can get 10% off by using this special URL, productizedcommunity.com slash podcast. I mean, in terms of launching a brand new product idea, I we, we can talk about your your approach to software development and coding very fast, spending just a day or two to 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 spin up a new product idea. I sort of understand how that could go, but we could we can get into it. I think what what folks would be more interested in is how do you find the first customer or first customers within a matter of uh, a day or two? Right. Yeah. What's your approach to that? Yeah. So uh, one thing that helps me a lot is doing analysis before. So uh, I usually do uh, microdata analysis and analysis. And with that, what I mean is, you know, for for example, let's let's just do an example. Maybe it's better to convey the 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 message. So uh, I have this software called UseCart, and it's around e-commerce. And uh, one thing that we technical people do often is we overbuild. So we like build a lot of features because we go back to what we know, and we usually know building more than marketing. <laughs> so what we do is we tend to focus on like adding features and stuff like that. So there was a feature on 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 Cart that uh, was around spotting trends. So one question that I do, and one way that I build, I mentioned I, I built via Negativa, and what I, I do is this, I subtract a feature from an existing product that I have, and I the question that I have for myself is uh, where I can put this feature, or to what, to what market this feature is essential, it becomes, because my realization was that, you know, there in terms of, of like, impact there's no better uh, and and uh, higher impact that you can do uh, in your like um, in, in your coding career than just building course so yeah when you build the core of a product you know that's the most impact then you know you can build building you can build you know other things like other things inside your platform but it, it's not the same like what really uh, shifts the things is building cores, core features. Yeah, like the 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 key thing that people come to a product and decide to pay for it's because it, it usually, even though most products do 10, 20, 50 different things, it's usually just one or two core features that, exactly. that make it worth paying for. Yeah, it's just a core and then there are, you know, uh, easy to add, uh, nice to add, right? So uh, it's building, there's uh, other things, all these things. Let's use that that usecart.com yeah, example. Yeah. Like what what was that feature that you identified? Yeah, so it was trend spotting and uh it, you know e-commerce people are always looking for new products and so I built a, a little r- a roper around uh, Google Trends 
and I was, you know, it was a feature of Kart, still, still is inside Kart. Uh, but what I did is extracting that from Kart, and I made another SaaS called Trendly. And, um, and so the, 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 the core now is spotting trends for this SaaS, right? And uh, the markets now are, you know, you, you open a lot of opportunities. So it can be, and currently is, investors. SEO people because they want to rank, uh, you know, for keywords faster and before anyone else. E-commerce people as well, uh, affiliates for for the same same reason. So um, you know you can you can see how you go from one market to where where yeah, uh, transporting. Uh, I, I, I think it's starting to make sense for me now. <laughs> yeah. So this is as I understand it. You have this one of your SaaS here is called Trendly that. Yeah. T-R-E-E-N-D-L-Y.com. Exactly. And what that, what that tool here does is it discovers trends, and this is based on Google trends, yeah. right? Yeah. It's actually and it looks like friendly, For Trendly, sorry to interrupt, but we expanded. We are not sourcing only from Google Trends. We actually uh, source from stores, from Amazon, calls. You know, we, we basically scrape all, all of these. Uh, okay, awesome. We have other sources as well. Uh, so we kind of do... Uh, a lot of mix uh, to find the trends. Got it. Got yeah. it. So this is really interesting then. So, so uh, Trendly itself looks, looks really cool because it has all these different trends. I mean, um, we're seeing like, like food trends, e-commerce trends. I'm seeing one for like coronavirus trends, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and so, and so then based on what you learned about how the different ways people are using it or the different markets that are coming to Trendly, you, you broke those out into more targeted niche solutions so like uh use cart is as i understand it it's basically like a trendly but it's focused on e-commerce trends uh not really so what what we do um is just extracting the feature so uh, i take that feature and i uh, question to myself you know where this feature is core and then that feature becomes a product and that's just this like cart does also other things and the core of cart is actually uh, collecting e-commerce data. It's not trend spotting, but now the trend spotting feature in cart is in partnership with Trendly because it's you know basically uh, via API, so it pings Trendly API to do things in cart. Whereas before it was just in in cart. So I basically extract that feature, and now it's a core product that can serve other markets and not just e-commerce. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So like use cart sort of like helps you spot trends like within your own e-commerce store, but it you can sort of compare it to other trends. Use cart core is not trend spotting. We also have trends as like a nice to have feature where you can actually spot um, uh, product trends that we fetch through Trendlist API nowadays. But cart cores uh, is basically uh collecting e-commerce data. So what we do is we track a lot of Shopify stores. So we have a lot of information about Shopify stores, products. I think we have last I checked 14 million products in the database, e-commerce you can search. So you can do, it's about competitive intelligence for e-commerce basically. So it's another thing. Uh, and then we have Trendly. Uh, but I'll tell you what, what I did with uh, marketing because that was your, um, your, your question there. So um, what I did with Marketing Friendly, basically, one year ago, one of my friends, uh, Massimo Giacchino, uh, put me on Microdata, 
And basically, what microdata for me uh, is, is just you know clues that your competitor customers live around the, the web. So basically, what um, what I did is you know go go ahead and go in, uh, in all the places that my competitors were launching. Uh, so that can be like product on Hacker News, Reddit. Uh, it can be like posts in real relevant online communities. It can be medium articles. It can be YouTube videos. It can be interviews on podcasts like this one. It can be like ads, including like uh, really um, checking the comments below their ads, for example. Uh, so it can be all of these things. And you know, I just yeah, basically analyze this this uh, micro data. So what people were saying, right? And for example, uh, one of my, basically almost all of my competitors with Trendly are just newsletters. So they have like a newsletter and they would email you trends. Uh, instead, what I find out is that uh, people would, you know, people consume things in different formats. So what I did with Trendly is we have a newsletter, but we also have a search bar uh, and a platform where you can actually go uh, into the web app and search your own trends. You can also uh, see the trends that we spot on the web app because maybe you don't want the email. And we are, for example, now doing um, a Slack integration as well because maybe you work in Slack and you would like to have you know, trends in Slack instead of email. And then, you know, all sorts of things. So that process of going and reading all the comments, all the clues left by your competitor customers really can help with product um, and uh, defining the product. But with what would be at, at, out of like out of your SaaS products here, whether it's Trendly or or Usecart or Target Bear or any of these other ones, like wh- which one would be a good example that you can walk through of like how you did that? Like where, where did you first discover the... For sure, Trendly. Yeah, for sure. I can actually read the comments because uh, I have a blog post on this. But... Um, for example, uh, on just on product microdata, you know, um, there were there were there was a comment uh, on one of my competitor uh, competitor uh, launches where a user uh, said. Well, I guess know, even even a step before that though, like how how did you even initially get into? Was it because your friend was telling you about microdata and and like which website were you on where you discovered people that that people seek out tools for tracking trends and things like that? All right, yeah. So I had the this this in mind because I uh, already had this wrapper on Google Trends, and I've seen that was seeing like e-commerce people were trying to find trends, right? And then I've seen also all these other things, all these other competitors launch around the idea of spotting trends. So I knew there was a viable market there. And uh, yeah, usually that's that's what I do. If I'm not sure, then I do a survey, uh, and then I have my like marketing friends that usually reply, and I can see if if is this a doable thing that people can pay for or not. So that's the process around there. Very nice. And so, like a survey you would send to like just people you personally know, or you have a an email list, or. I do have an email list. Uh, sometimes I send there too, uh, but uh, usually just launching on like on my Facebook would be enough because I have a lot of uh, marketing friends and e-commerce friends. So very nice. And so then, and then, uh, so so you sort of identify that there is a 
product or a need in the market and you're starting to see comments on things like Hacker News or other communities or yeah, comment, exactly. comments on, on Facebook ads or whatever it is. And then, it ha- and then where do you go from there? Like you see people are like planning about something or, or they wish that it could do something. How do you, how do you go yeah, from there? Yeah, exactly. So um, the product, basically the, the, this process of reading uh, comments, etc., basically allows you to build something where your competitor's weaknesses are now your UVP, right? Your, your value proposition. So that's what I do all day. <laughs> and uh, basically, um, for example, let me read the comment. One, one, one person uh, were saying, uh, was saying, uh, is there a pro version where I can get alerts and manage my keywords and have a dashboard? Because this, this other product, they didn't have that. So what I did, I built it because uh, there was demand. And, you know, just reading a comment. And, and just, based on, just based on reading those comments, you, you had a clear enough idea on what needed to be built? Or, or do you ever have to do like more research or talk to customers or anything like that? Yeah, I'm just reading one comment. I read probably hundreds, to be honest, of comments. And then from there, I, understand it, uh, I understood a lot of things. For example, that not all the people in the target market uh, like the newsletter format, that um, they want options, like they want to receive insights daily, monthly, or whatever they want. They value have an online tool even more because if you if you paid attention, I said that this guy was saying, is there a pro version? So the keyword here is pro because... It's like, yeah. can I pay money for this, please? Yeah, and, and also... <laughs> more valuable than a newsletter right in their mind and uh and also around pricing oh my god a lot, a lot of insights but let me tell you another another uh, another uh, way that this helps it helps with yeah, marketing please. as well well that was going to be my next question right let's say so you spend a, a weekend building it and then even though there there are commenters out there how do you how do you then let them know like hey i just built this yeah exactly so for for marketing it helps a lot with uh, coming up with marketing angles and as well as writing great copy. And uh, I'm sure you noticed I'm not, English is not my main language, it's Italian is, <laughs> so sorry about that. But, um, but um, for sure, uh, this helped because I literally, uh, you know, took note of uh, all the comments and all the, uh, you know, uh, interesting ones that I could build a marketing angle on and I did a swipe file. And nowadays, even now, if you go to Trendly, you will see some marketing angles. And basically these are words from my competitor customers are not mine. And uh, that ensures that also English is quite good. <laughs> I, I hope. <laughs> yeah. So basically, for example, let me tell you how I come up with a marketing angles. So I read this comment about how Amazon is has all the, the trends in the world because he has all the data from Amazon customers. And so they can just go and, uh, and create a new product and they, uh, you know, they, they are sure to, 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 to eat a good product, right? Because they, they know. Yeah, all they the have all this data, yeah. Yeah, but instead, if you are a small e-commerce, unless you just happen to have that product on end and someone, you know, finds you and tell you that this is trendy, you, you don't know, right? So I threw that whole thing into um, a, a, um, a copy that I have even right now on the 
on the site. And um, yeah, I, I see it here. I see the headline like "You don't know what you don't know." Yeah, but that's not the one. It's uh, it's another one called uh, um, David versus Goliath. And uh, I came up with with this angle because, uh, well, as you know, as a musician, you have to be creative. So it just happens that like the day before, I was reading this comment. Uh, I, I was watching TV, and uh, there was a show basically on, on Florence, the beauties on Florence, and they were showing Michelangelo's David. So, so I took that and, and uh, I said, you know, this could be my angle, David versus Goliath. And uh, I wrote this copy, and it's basically, I would say, 90, 90% words of this customer. And um, it's called Here is Your Sling. And uh, it says, you know, it basically compares Amazon to Goliath. And then how you are uh, so small. And uh, how trendly can be the sling to basically uh, beat Goliath. So this is obviously something that uh, helps me because, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm not an English-speaking uh, person as a first language. But um, also, it's the travels. So because people share it. Yeah. So, well, actually, that then then let's go the next step, right? So, so you can obviously that that's very effective uh, copywriting methodology, right? Like, like take the words from customers' mouths and actually use it in your in your copy, so you can create a very strong landing page, create content. But then, how do you get exposure? How do you let them know that this exists? How do you get that that early traffic? So usually what you do is replicating your your competitor strategy. So a lot of competitors. They did launches on Reddit, on Product Hunt, and Docker News, and that's what I did too, uh, because the target for this is just uh, basically, uh, you know, curious people. So Reddit has a lot of curious people. Product Hunt has it too. So um, I, I, I did, I did, uh, you know, a lot of good launches on Product Hunt. Uh, I was first or second on Docker News for a day, so that brought in a lot of traffic. And also Reddit, oh my God, I do a lot of lunches on Reddit even these days because it's free and um, you just have to be creative with the angles. But uh, Is that it? Like, so like I, I've launched a few different things on Product Hunt. Most of them flopped and then one or two, you know, did, did pretty well. And it was usually because somebody else like just put it up there and I wasn't even expecting it. Well, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional well, with, with the lunches, yeah. Yeah, that that's my question. Is like, how? What do you do to like optimize for, say, a product hunt launch or or a Reddit launch or Hacker News? I I guess for for um, for product hunt, I'm very intentional. I uh, basically build everything uh, days before using Preview Hunt, which is a site where you can basically have all the things, making making sure that you have all the things that you need for the product hunt launch. Um, then I usually, sometimes you, you post on product hunt and you go into the newest tab, not the, like the home page. And, uh, then it just means you have to bug the product hunt team. That is one thing I noticed. I, I heard that, that, um, that it, like sometimes you, like after you submit it, just send a, a message to their support to, and they'll like manually put you on the front. Oh, not, obviously that won't work for everyone, but they, they do have some manual. I have a, a record of you know, successful launches. So, I mean, they want products that, uh, you know, can spark conversations and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's usually a win-win there. I just have to bug them sometimes. Sometimes it goes directly to the page. So I don't know how it works there. But, 
sometimes it it, uh, it works, sometimes not, and I have to to ping them. But um, also with uh, Reddit, you have to be intentional and you have to structure things in a way that you know are not against the uh, the subreddit uh, rules, for example. And with uh, Hacker News is most is probably the most volatile one, but uh, they they are like tech people and they want to know the behind the scene. So I did a post like that, like with um, with that flavor, and it went very well. Like how I built this, or or why, I, like yeah, yeah, no, it, it was just uh, like uh, show a chan. I built uh, this uh, transporting thing basically, and it went very well. Uh, and I, usually, what you do there is you go and uh, make making make sure that you start the conversation with the first comment. Uh, and then you you have to be very active uh, and reply to people. And uh, yeah, I was always very very uh, kind and polite um, to you know just thanking them for commenting. And then that's the other thing that uh, helps um, uh, because uh, with uh, this process of collecting microdata, as I call them, it also helps with handling objections because um, basically by for example, by reading a lot of real feedback from uh, my competitors' posts, I noticed a lot of questions like, "How this co- how, di- how does this compares to, let's say, Google Trends, or how is this different from competitor?" Right, and um, so for, for that, I was able to actually plan ahead my my answer and just end handle objections very easily. And uh, that's something that also helped a lot with um, with uh, with launching because uh, I basically had a swipe file with all my answers, answers, and uh, I would just copy and paste them uh, into the into the you know people asking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that helps too. That's great. And so, I mean, are you, you're literally doing all this like pretty rapidly, like like building the tool, <laughs> building a whole SaaS in a day or two, and uh, like getting the the website up. I'm, I'm assuming like using some templates and things and, and then getting it posted on Hacker News and, and Product Hunt. And like within a week, you're, you're doing these pieces and you're getting early traffic coming to your site. Are you going back to those comment threads where you, where you saw the initial insight about the product and, and posting a comment there? Like, hey, if you're looking for that, then it's here. Sometimes I do. Some sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I do not. Because uh, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be polite to go into someone else lunch, uh, namely a competitor, and, and you know, say. I don't really mean like a lunch. I mean, well, I guess that like, yeah, like like I wouldn't probably do that on like a somebody else's product hunt launch. But like, if you see a comment on a blog or, or a comment on a YouTube video or something like that, I do one hundred percent. Yes, yeah. And then with building fast, I you said templates. I don't use templates. I uh, you know in the years I developed my own kind of framework that allows me to be very fast. Uh, but that really comes, you know, I I don't I don't like frameworks to be honest. I just use one framework on the front end called Bulma. CSS like it's like a pure CSS framework, even Node.js. Node.js. But um, I don't. I don't like, for example, Laravel. I don't like all these frameworks. And even the way I build. What do you build in in the back end? Uh, I just have my own framework, to be honest. And I don't use pre yeah, pre made framework. Like I don't even use MVC uh, or like OOP. Oh wow! 
one of those what, so like what language are you writing in <laughs> yeah I, I use php right now PHP. Uh, although i started um years ago in Perl. i don't know if you know this one but yeah Perl. and um i can code pretty much in everything to be honest because i believe programming is like it's like a, a a mindset basically where you you know switching from a programming language to another it's like the logic will be the same and then the yeah. syntax will change so it's like i can i have built things in python uh i'm learning now a little bit of ruby and that's the thing with with programming i mean obviously it's so opinionated and especially these days with these trendy you know heavy-handed frameworks and everything and but at the end of the day it's like whatever you are most comfortable with and can ship the fastest. And if that's a custom built PHP, you know, your, your own starter template, like that's, or a starter, you know, app, that's, that's great. You know? Yeah. That's a thing that I actually picked up from Ryan Kulp, um, the founder of Como. Uh, and he's a partner of mine on, on, on one SAS as well. Uh, but yeah, he, he had the, uh, a framework, like a jumpstart framework in Ruby that he uses. So I basically developed mine in, in PHP, and uh, that's that's the thing that allows me to to build fast. And uh, to be honest, I like I don't I'm not afraid of like pulling a 24 hour straight uh, you know coding session if I have to. No, so that's yeah. the other thing because you have to be intentional. Cool. Yeah. So let's get back to like you know bigger picture, higher level, as we start to wrap this up here. As as you said earlier, you know, you have these different SaaS businesses and and sometimes, you know, you start to focus on one more than another and the revenue of one goes up, revenue goes down somewhere else and then it flips flops. Mm-hmm. Do do you ever feel like you're uh you're missing out on on like lack of so it, it, like if you were to say just focus on Trendly or just focus on Usecart, could you 10x that or, or 20x that and maybe at the expense of your other ones? But like, do you ever think about that? Uh, to be honest, I, I do think about that, of course, because that's one object, objection that uh, usually people want to, uh, even, even clients uh, bring bring this up. But um, what they, they, they don't understand is that probably, uh, you know, I'm already, already 10xing. On, on all of my stuff, because I'm I'm like faster than than the average guys, to be honest. And I, at one point in my career, I have uh, I had a team of four developers that I lead, and uh, and I still I was faster, right? So it depends, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Uh, for me, even ten x is is not the like the answer, because I do this because I want to play more, right? So yeah. So basically, for me, it's lifestyle. Like uh, I, I, I don't want to make a million. Although that's okay. <laughs> you wouldn't turn down a million. <laughs> but uh, but of course, I, I value you know my time more because what I want to do and what ultimately I think I'm better at is is playing. To be honest, so I you know, I, I I I want to do that more and um and play jazz, and so I do this to survive basically, and protect yeah. my art. And uh, I also had uh what you call it a safe job teaching kids in in middle school music. Oh, and I I actually quit uh, that job because it wasn't making me happy. 
because um, you know music is what I studied all my life. I you know uh, I begin playing music when I was four years old. Now I'm 29, and and uh, you know dealing with kids that really like the, the music lesson is really recreation time. You know. <laughs> And uh, so you have to be, you know, don't push the other guy in the face, you know, don't do that. Don't, doesn't make me happy. Maybe other guys, they are happy doing it, um, not me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one thing to, to play music. It's another thing to, to teach it, especially to kids. <laughs> yeah, but the, like the lie that everyone told, that tells is, is, uh, is that basically you can be a performing, a performing musician where Really, the options for you are either play weddings or, at least in Italy, play weddings oh, or, 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 or to teach, you know, uh, in the public school. And that's the same. It's true. Well. It's, it's very sad, too. I mean, I, I, went to, I went to college. I have a degree in, in audio engineering. I, I thought that I would be working in music studios for, for my career. And, uh, and I started in that for like a year or two in my early career. They're, in New York, I mean, they're, they're literally taking interns and paying them nothing and they expect you to to work full time more than full-time hours for nothing and then hope like hope that that the that the guy who is getting paid he has a sick day and you could sit in his chair for a day yeah and also us is is crazy with that because like when you go to college to study music yeah i think my intuition at the new school was about i, I wasn't a scholarship but it was about forty thousand dollars per year something like that oh it's insane yeah it's insane. Like I, my my thought process was like, okay, forty thousand dollars. Am I getting that back with music? It's probably never, right? <laughs> and so you know that that's what uh, what they choose. Backwards. To do. Well, uh, I mean, I I've got a thousand more questions that I could ask you, but I think this is probably a, a good place to to leave it. Of course, uh, you know, folks can can check out uh, Rubini Solutions. and uh, we'll get everything here uh, linked up in the show notes. Is there anywhere else folks can uh, connect with you? Oh, that that's uh, that's okay. We, uh, I'm also on Twitter. I'm uh, tweeting a lot uh, at Mike Rubini. My just my name, Mike, and then R U B I N I. Awesome, awesome, Mike. We will get it all linked up. Thank you so much for doing this. I, you know, I, I'm really impressed with all your work here, and and keep it going. I think we're gonna kind of keep tabs on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brian, for having me, and uh, keep it up with uh, the podcast. All right, all right. Take care. Bye. All right. Did that give you something to think about? If it did, let me know on Twitter. I'm at CastJam. If you want to find show notes on this or any of the other episodes or my weekly newsletter with new content, head over to productizeandscale.com. Now, if you haven't already, a five-star review in iTunes, that would go a long way to helping other folks find the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.